delighted that uh, Smee is going to uh, speak for us this morning. And um, if you if you'd like to, um, you can put him on um, on speaker view, which is one of the tabs at the top right hand corner. Um, and it just means that the rest of us will be small and he'll be big as uh, as we listen to him. So, uh, uh, Smee, just uh, hand over. Thank you very much. Can everyone hear me? Can you give me a wave? So excellent. Uh, really good to be with us this morning. Uh, really good to be having this opportunity to share God's word. It is a very odd thing. I'm standing staring at our chimney breast, um, preaching to the chimney basically, um, but with little pictures of you there to keep me going. Um, and it's a very, there's some good things about this. It's very sad not to be with you. The good thing is, is you, if you do doze off, I can't hear you snoring today. So that's a good one. Um, but also when I look at you, you're all sitting in the front row. There are no empty seats. It's like preaching to the, just the front row. So well done for not sitting at the back this morning. Give yourself a thumbs up. You've done well. Well done, everybody. But, uh, let, let us pray as we uh, look at this passage. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way it speaks to us, even in these strange and difficult times. And we ask now that you would speak to each one of us where we are at home, whatever our situation, that we would hear you today. Amen. This passage of the raising of Lazarus, uh, a very famous passage, and it's a really unusual uh, story, really, a really unusual account. For one thing, it's really long. The whole account is 45 verses, which in the Gospels is a really big chunk. So straight away, that tells us that John was trying to say something really important out of this miracle. Rather than just being one of the shorter ones, it's got a really big length of time given to it. And the way Jesus behaves is seemingly really out of character. People come to him and tell him that Lazarus is ill, Lazarus being someone that he knows, someone who he really likes. But instead of rushing to heal him, or as he did with the Roman centurion and his servant, just saying a word and healing Lazarus, he sort of hesitates and delays and makes kind of cryptic comments and doesn't rush off. And even when they hear Lazarus is dead, he, he goes, but it's all very delayed. It's very unusual. It's not the way that the dis disciples would have seen Jesus behaving in the past. And I think there's something quite important about why Jesus behaved in this way, in this passage. Um, and there's three verses that I think give us some indication as to why Jesus behaved in this way. Right early on, when, um, when they come to, to Jesus and they tell him that Lazarus is sick, Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Then later on, when he hears that Lazarus is dead, he says, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Which is a really strange thing to say, isn't it? When you've just heard that your friends died. And then at the end, Jesus is praying. And he says to God these words in verse 40. He says, 41, he says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And we see here that Jesus clearly perceived that in the illness and the death of Lazarus, there was an opportunity for something much more significant than some of the other healings that he'd done in the past. And I think I just want to make it clear that 
what was going on here was Lazarus was someone Jesus knew well. He was really fond of him, as we'll see. He knew his sisters, Mary and Martha. They were his close friends. He was with his disciples. This wasn't random strangers bringing someone to Jesus to be healed and Jesus then delaying and, and seeming to be not very caring. This was him with his closest friends. And I think what was happening here was he was the, seeing this was an opportunity for something even more profound than the, the, the healing and the raising. Something else was going to go on. And Jesus, it seems to me, did three things whilst this was happening. He seized the opportunity for three things. First of all, he taught them something about himself. He used it as an opportunity for teaching. Also, through this miracle, he revealed something new about himself. He used the opportunity for revealing more about himself. And then, through it all, he transformed the lives of those who were there. He used it for transformation. So through all this delay and this rather unusual way of managing this miracle, Jesus did these three significant things. He taught, he revealed, and he transformed. And the teaching obviously was really focused around this very famous verse, verse 25, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And this is a verse that clearly people have thought about and written about over the centuries. There are libraries full of books just grappling with the meaning of this verse, and we've got about two minutes to try and get something from this. And really, I just want to focus on the famous bit about this being one of his I am sayings. He says, I am the resurrection. He doesn't say, I teach about the resurrection, or I'm going to experience resurrection, or I can lead you into the process of resurrection. He absolutely says, I am the resurrection. Resurrection is entirely bound up with the person of Jesus Christ. And resurrection is a specific thing, if you like. Resurrection starts with people dying. It is about the reality of death. Jesus, as we remembered last week, did actually die. Lazarus did die. But then resurrection is about, after death, the rising to a new life in God that is both recognisable but transformed. So when Jesus rose to life on Easter morning, the, the stories we read of him after that, people recognised him but he had clearly been transformed. He could kind of move around and appear and disappear. He was transformed, but recognizable. So resurrection is this process of dying, rising to a new life in God that is both recognizable and transformed. And that is only possible through Jesus Christ. And this is very different to teachings around reincarnation that we might find in Hinduism or Sikhism or uh, some bits of Buddhism. It's a very distinctive thing, this idea of death, new life, both recognisable and transformed. And it is only possible through Jesus, because he says, I am the resurrection. So he taught them this profound truth. And through this, he revealed these new things about himself. We see this deep compassion. 
It talks about you know, the very famous, the very shortest verse in the Bible, just says, Jesus wept. And even though he knew the ending, he knew that Lazarus would rise, he shared in their grief and pain at a very deep and profound level. That is the Jesus who comes to be with us today. He shares our deepest pain and sorrow. Even though he might know what's going to happen, he walks with us on that journey. He showed that very powerfully. And he revealed to him, to them, that he had this power over death. He didn't just say the words, I am the resurrection. He lived it out. He enacted it. He revealed this unbelievable power. And then, of course, he transformed the situation. Lazarus was no longer either ill or dead. Uh, he was alive. Uh, Mary and Martha had turned from mourning to laughter. People turned from disbelief to belief, to doubt to belief. It must have been a transformative moment. It's one of those days you can imagine them speaking about years into the future. Do you remember that day you were dead? Do you remember what it was like when you were dead? And remembering what happened, it would have been transformative. So what does that mean for us now? What does this passage with all this strange delay and this teaching this revelation this transformation mean for us today well the obvious in a sense starting point is this is our hope of the resurrection this is what our hope is entirely based on that through jesus christ there is resurrection and there is in a sense if you like i want to call it the big resurrection the fact that when we die we have that promise and hope that we will be raised to new life with God, where we will in some mysterious way be both recognisable and transformed. That is our hope. And a hope that is very real and needed for so many people today. Some of us we know know people who have died in the last few weeks. There is so much pain of genuine grief. And yet the promise that we have through Jesus is the hope of actual resurrection. Resurrection, the new life in God that is both recognisable and transformed. It recognises the real pain of death. It doesn't skim over it. It doesn't make it less, that, the, the loss, but it offers the hope. But there's also, isn't there something there about, in a sense, the smaller resurrections we go through. When we become a follower of Jesus and we get baptised, the image of baptism, the kind of going down into the water, almost kind of drowning and coming back up again. The idea is we put to death our old life, as Paul so often talks about. And we are resurrected, if you like, into a new life with Christ where we are still recognisable, but we've been transformed. We've become one of his disciples. And in a sense, we go through those little resurrections. As bits of us, God challenges us. Those aspects of our lives that we need to put to death but might be transformed into something new with God. We're still recognisable. So we live with this promise of resurrection. And at the moment, I think this is a very profound image and a need that we have as, a, as people, as a church, and as a country. Because at the moment, I don't know about you, but for me, for me, it feels like so much of what I took for granted, so much of what I did all the time, has died. All the things that I took completely for granted up until six weeks ago have at one level died. We can't be physically with the people who we love and care for. We can't go to the places we used to go to. We can't go to church or to the restaurant or to the, the cafe or to the shops. 
and there have been so many disappointments for so many people. Cancelled events, church weekend away, exams, holidays, weddings, on and on, so much grief and sadness that things have, are not as they were. Life seems to have in some ways died. And at the moment, we don't know where this is going to end. We don't know how long it's going to go on for. It's a bit like being on Easter Saturday for those disciples. They didn't know what was going to happen. And we're in that place, aren't we, where we don't know how this is going to end. But I wonder whether there's something we should be looking for and longing for, inspired by this passage about resurrection. What kind of people are we going to be when we come out of this? What kind of church are we going to be? What kind of society are we going to be? Are we going to be one that essentially wakes up roughly the same as we were before and carries on? Or are we seeking for Jesus to bring about resurrection? Where we as individuals, we as a church, we as a society will be recognisable, but transformed and transformed by being closer to God. Through the delay of Jesus going to see Lazarus, that was where he revealed something of himself to them. And I think this is a time where it's a chance for us to find ways for Jesus to reveal something new about himself. Some people have more time on their hands and can perhaps watch other services or read things. Others of us seem to be even busier with endless Zoom meetings and telephone conferences. But still, there may be time to think, to ask Jesus, what are you revealing to us of yourself at this time? How do we draw closer to you? And then that hope for transformation. Are we willing to let Jesus transform us individually, as a church, as a society? Are we hoping and praying, not that we wake up from this and go back to how it was before, but that we hope for resurrection? That as individuals, as a church, as a society, we will be transformed into a new relationship with God where we are both recognisable and transformed. Amen.